0: Today we're focusing on football in two countries that have never won the Eurovision Song Contest. And that's not changing this year either. Football is no longer in lockdown. The Bundesliga returns next weekend and we now have two leagues playing in Europe, in the Faroe Islands as well as Belarus. And one of the most significant leagues in Asia has also returned this weekend past Korea's K-League. We're hearing from players from both leagues today. Hello from Will Downing. Dimitri Julai is with me for a slightly different edition than usual. After finishing third last season and having their AFC Champions League campaign interrupted early on, FC Seoul have kicked off their campaign to claim a fourth Korean title in 11 seasons. Their Spanish midfielder Osmar is with us, involved in FC Seoul's opening game of the season on Sunday away to Gangwon. So what was it like playing in an empty stadium then?
1: Uh, Well, it was a strange game to play. I don't know if it's correct to say in English, but uh, it was a little bit cold, cold. And uh, it's not like it's supposed to be. There was no fans. And even though, well, this this team, this stadium is an uh, open stadium with uh, athletic practice. Yeah. Uh, so it made everything colder. Even since the morning, the, the routine was different. Everything felt different. But this is now the new normal, the new football, so, at least for now. So we'll have to get used to that and I think we will have to work more on our mental preparation for, for this game to take it more seriously pro- next time. And physically, did it feel like you know a
0: full belt league game, a league opener?
1: Physically I felt good. My legs could run. I mean, they follow my body. I didn't feel too tired, but I think the problem was more here that you are not in the mood of uh, playing a big game or uh, league game so you are a little bit slow down it's it's not you're not playing at the same pace and same tempo so this is uh, again we have to work on that
0: (laughs) yeah I watched the league opener on Friday the Champions John Book against Sue won, and there were a lot of safety procedures that you could see in place and a few that were mentioned as a player what do you have to go through that's so different from normal
1: now few things, but I have to say, uh, because the country is well controlled, not to stream the measures. So in the morning in the hotel, the club, the doctor gave us masks for everybody. Uh, we put them on the, when we were on the way to the stadium. Once we got there, well, there was no fans, of course. Everything start there when you see no fans waiting. <laughs> and then we get down from the coach one by one. And test the the temperature. They check everybody. Uh, we had uh, cleaning for cleaning hands, cleaning before getting to the stadium. Uh, and after that, the most important measures were the we were not shaking hands, and uh, we had our names or numbers in the bottles. We didn't. We couldn't share bottles like like usually, but. No more, no, no, no big things. We didn't suppose to gather in the ground. We didn't suppose to speak, but we did sometimes. It's, it's if not, you know, it's not the same. When you score goal, you don't celebrate the same way. You even hug or you don't jump into your teammate. But while you punch or something like that, a little bit lighter. But yeah, that was uh, pretty much all the procedures that we had to follow.
0: Mm. Because there's one instruction as well that you're being advised by the K-League not to shout during the game in case you spray virus or whatever.
1: We couldn't shout, we couldn't spit. Spit, right? couldn't uh, confront each other or face each other if someone tackles you or you tackle someone. We cannot uh, confront the referee. But at the end, sometimes you come next to a player and say something, but it was okay. Um, nothing to be nothing to be worried or nothing that you have to keep thinking all the time.
0: So at this point, now that you're playing in South Korea, I mean do you
1: feel safe playing? Yeah, sure, 100% uh, Now we have a new cases from the last weekend, but uh, anyway, I really trust on the on the government, how they control everything. Uh, All the players were tested, all the coaching staff, all the club staff were tested. I really feel safe, honestly. Anyway, we we didn't stop training anyways, and nobody got infected. So if it didn't happen before, it shouldn't happen now. If we are all cautious about going out or going some places, we shouldn't. If we are all on the same page, nothing should happen.
0: Yeah, you were due to start playing the league at the end of February, the last day of February. It got bounced by about 10 weeks. What was the feeling during that time? I'm sure there was a lot more confidence that you would get the league played as opposed to what's happening in some countries in Europe where obviously it's a different calendar as well.
1: The toughest moment was the first two weeks when the numbers of cases went really high, and it seemed everything out of control. After two weeks, even though the numbers were still a little bit high, but they were under control, so everybody, we could relax a little bit, we kept being careful, we didn't go out much, uh, schools were closed, and we just wait, wait and wait, and we train in because um, Everybody wanted to start again play playing football. But we knew safety comes first. So we all uh, put our trust on, on the government and the police and the doctors and nurses and everybody who made this possible.
0: Now FC Seoul finished third in the K-League last season. So that meant a place in the AFC Champions League, the Asian Champions League. Two games done, a playoff match and a group game. And then... It all came to a halt. Have you any news about when you'll be back playing in the Continental
1: event again? Uh, nothing official. Nothing official. I, because it's really hard, you know, because it's not only about clubs and teams. It's about uh, countries and government and politics. For, for example, Australia, I think, is locked down. Nobody can go in there. Uh, Korea has a mandatory quarantine for two weeks. So how, how can you organise a game here in Korea or, or in Thailand or in China, so for now it's really hard. Nothing official came out. I heard from the coaching staff that they are start talking about July, something about July, but uh, nothing official. They want to start, of course, obviously, but uh, <laughs> they will have to go asking each country how how they could do it, how we can send a team from Thailand to Korea, from China to Japan, from Australia to so. I don't know how they they can organize everything, honestly. Mm.
0: And that was an away game that you were playing in over the weekend against Gangwon. So, how did you all travel there on a on a bus?
1: Yeah, we traveled on a bus. It's not far away. It's so, uh, one hour away. Was the hotel plus uh, twenty or thirty minutes to the stadium. It's not really far. So it was uh, normal routine. Training in the morning the day before game, and uh, after lunch we took the bus and we got there. So nothing changed.
0: Now, some bad news because I have to ask you about the game now because it started really well for FC Seoul and you were ahead at half-time. Park Dong-Jing scoring, 1-0 up, looking good. Even with five minutes to go, it was still only 1-1 because Kim Ji-hyun had equalised. So the last five minutes, what happened? Uh, well, what happened?
1: It happened before. <laughs> Korea is, the, is a league, if, if you know the, if you see the numbers, it's a league that in last 10 minutes there are a lot of goals because the teams usually forget about tactics and just go for it. So usually become a game of go side to side. In this case, Gangwon has uh, speed players in front who are dangerous in counterattacks. We let ourselves, uh, I think, push too, push too much when we didn't need to, and we we pay for it. So. Basically, we couldn't uh, we couldn't manage the end of the game. That's a big problem, and it's uh, it's very common in the, in this league.
0: So, in recent seasons, FC Seoul have won the league. You've won the cup. You play every season in continental competition. So, Seoul should be up there with a chance of the title again this season.
1: Uh, well, we're a club with uh, Champions League history. We usually played almost every season. We had um, two seasons, a little bit problems, <laughs> uh, but normally we finished the, in the three top. Uh, we have two teams who invest more money, and in any league you feel that you know teams who invest more money usually finished champion or second. But we are the team of a capital, you know, and that means something. And we usually fight to be there, but the same thing that happened in this game that we couldn't uh, we couldn't hold for the 90 minutes we have to carry this on the whole season we cannot cannot win a few games now and then uh, relax sometimes this happens because uh, the players when they play here in in the capital they have good life we have good life and we think that everything is going to be fine without fighting for it so That's something that I keep saying to my teammates. So hopefully we we can finish up there. I watch games, I watch all the teams, and uh, there's not much difference this year. I don't think it will be much different this year. That's good for the league and for everybody.
0: But your home stadium is Seoul's World Cup stadium from 2002. 66,000. Does it get filled often?
1: Uh, No. (laughs) No. No, that, that, uh, that's a little bit shame. We have a lot of teams have uh, still uh, the World Cup stadiums, but there is no many fans to fill them. Still, we are the first uh, bringing fans to the stadium, I think around 20,000 average. Uh, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's okay because they put flags on the up part of, of the stadium. It's okay, but of course, I would like to, to see the stadium at least half, half uh, full. Uh, I always say, and I always say to the people in the club, to my coaching staff, that if we can make 50, 60 percent of people coming to the stadium, we could easily win more games. We, even though you don't play good, but uh, I see a lot of players coming from small teams, coming out to the pitch and look up around and like right, like like you play against. Uh, Big team like Liverpool or Manchester, they got shocked by the the stadium. So, I wish that we could bring more fans and help us win more games.
2: You you mentioned some problems uh, because really in 2018, Seoul FC were close to being relegated. So, what what happened in 2018?
1: I think the the question should be what happened in 2017. <laughs> okay. 2018 was the consequence of what happened in 2017. A lot of things had changed in the team. Uh, We started changing the coach in 2016, middle of the season. We had a great, great team, great squad. We actually finished being champion. And we changed the coach at the half of the season when we were at the top. Usually a team changes the coach when it's not good. In our case, we changed it when... We were probably the best. Everything starts going different direction. I didn't feel that the club was going in the same direction that it was before. I think they want they wanted to renovate the team or bring in some more young players in. It doesn't work like that. I mean, if you want to be there and fight for championship, bringing all young players is hard to do. And uh, in 2017, we didn't play so well, and then 2018, some important players like myself, we left the club because we didn't agree <laughs> in some things, and it was a consequence of, of everything. A lot of a lot of players left, and it was out of control. I think.
2: The coach in question, Tzu, is a true legend uh, for the yep. club. So he returned. As I understand, he returned before the playoff, promotion-relegation playoff, and the club stayed up, and last season, third place. Effect of uh, the legend of the club coming back to the club and effect of the players, good players coming back to the club. But you mentioned that they decided to renovate the team. Who are they? Who is the owner of the club? How is it run? Who's making those decisions?
1: Well, this is... The whole country is uh, usually company teams, they are not managed by the, their own incomes. We have SG Group behind, there are two teams who has Hyundai behind, and some other teams are um, uh, government teams from small cities, so there is not much money. Basically what happened in, this, in these years, that we had a crisis, when I talk about them, I talk about the office. In, in that time, there was a president and and a second president and some staff of the office who made the, the decisions. But as in any company, every few years they make rotations or they change the position, the jobs. So in this in 2018, the coach Cheon Su came back before the league finished, and uh, he could keep the team safely in, in K League. And then all the all the people at the office changed. The president, the second, the sport manager, everybody changed. Honestly that was the main reason that I came back, <laughs> because of a coach. He signed me at first in 2014 and he called me back when, when I was in Japan, he, he called me again to come back. And uh, yeah we, with him back, he made a big impact on the team, is really great leader. And uh, I've never seen a good connection, a club and coach. Usually coaches come and go, but I don't know why this, this guy is really, really fit to handle this club, this team. Mm-hmm.
2: You also spent some time alone in Japan. Is there too much difference, let's say, in the quality of play in the league, uh, in the way clubs are structured?
1: Yeah, I I could see it. I could see it. Japan is uh, a league that I followed since since I came to Asia, and uh, I I really wanted to try, and it was a good chance to me to to see how the structure of the club is, how the I don't know facilities, training. It's unbelievable that it's uh, only two hours away, and it's totally different Japan. But I can say the same thing then from China. I can say the same thing in Thailand. Every country has totally different ways, even they are not so far away. I think Japan, I would say they have better structure. It's more compared to Europe. It's closer to Europe uh, Europe way, Europe structure. They have companies behind, they have sponsors behind, but they don't depend everything on the companies, on the budget. So they can survive usually by themselves. They have full stadiums, which give them big bonus. In terms of football, they also work a little bit more like Europe, more tactical, more positioning, two-touch, passing game, you know, these kind of uh, combinations. Korea is a little bit more emotional and uh, the players really like to play front and go front and advance with the ball, without the ball. Sometimes it's uh, quite quick and I try to bring the tempo down with my Spanish style.
2: <laughs> Speaking of a Spanish style, well, as a young player, relatively young player, you left Racing de Santander and you went to play in Thailand. How did that happen? Because it, it's still not very usual for a player to go to Asia. Was it through the agent or the club contacted you directly? Because it was one of the biggest clubs in the country. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Um, Thanks to the the, the agents, uh, everything came because I was not good at, in Santander anymore. I, I spent two years there, my first two professional years, but I didn't play much. And then the team was really struggling financially. They, some people, I think they killed the club. We got relegated to the second division. Players didn't get paid, and they were negotiating new contracts. And I was a player with uh, the lowest contract there who didn't play at all. So my future was really dark. <laughs> I think the, these agents, I don't know how they made the connection with Thailand team, with Buriam. Uh, But I think they thought about me when, that it was a good option because the team needed a defender with a good passing build-up. And it was a cheap one. <laughs> so cheap, one, cheap player, young, who came from first division team from Spain. So I could help them a lot to get what they needed.
2: And after a couple of years there, and after winning with them, you had an offer from Korea. So basically it means once you're there on an Asian football market, people do notice you and they know more about you.
1: Yeah, the the more you spend here in Asia, the more they know you. I had luck to play Champions League as well and to make long story short, when I came to Thailand, I didn't know anything about Thailand or Asia football. I was one of these guys who didn't know anything and when I came to Thailand, I had a friend who already played few in few countries in Asia and he told me, "Man, we are lucky we are in the best team in Thailand, but think that ACL, the Champions League, the Asian Champions League is everything." here in any country is everything. Everybody's watching this. Everybody wants to watch these games because they, they want to sign probably from these teams, especially foreigners. Asia has in many countries of three foreigners. So when a team plays Champions League, everybody look the foreigners. Who is this foreigner? Who is that guy? Who is that guy? So your name comes first. And he told me that and I start watching Asia football. I start following Champions League games and then I saw that there was better leagues than Thailand better teams so I I thought okay my, my time pro- in Spain is probably over if I didn't play before I will not play after spending some time in Thailand nobody will bring me back to Spain so my football career will be in Asia so I will work to play in the best leagues in best clubs and then I faced a Japanese team and a Chinese team and FC Seoul I faced them in the in Champions League and then straight away I told my agent please please bring me to FC Seoul I really want to go here <laughs> and he made it happen.
2: <clears throat> when you went to Korea Republic when you went to the capital not footballistically but just on a well, daily life level. What was the difference with Europe, with Spain, with Cantabria?
1: Me, My wife and me, we come from really, really small villages. And uh, we could enjoy living in huge cities. And Asia is full of huge cities. It's not just all that we love so much. Give us Asia, coming here, gave us a chance, besides football, to enjoy traveling, to enjoy eating new food and and knowing new cultures, people, and, well, it was unbelievable. Now now it's, it seems normal to us. It seems normal to be a chopsticks master, and <laughs> it seems normal to, to, to eat uh, Korean food. And then I realized that most of, probably everybody, the, or, or of my friends and her friends, nobody even know the name of one Korean food, Korean plate. So this is a huge, huge change in our lives. And we, we will never forget our time in Thailand, our time here in Korea, also in Japan. We have really good friends that we didn't know we could make. So it's a life-changing, this, this decision of coming here is nothing like that, Not, nothing compares.
2: It's interesting to know that sometimes in Europe, among the fans, and I want to know if it's the same among the players. Most of the fans, you know, they're looking at Asian football. They the understand and they say, "Ah, no, no, age is not good enough. You know, it's not as good as European football, so probably wouldn't bother." But what's the attitude among the other Spanish players who know you're there, or even maybe among Spanish journalists? Because it's interesting to know how often they interviewed you before this particular crisis, because I understand now they all try to contact you and, and do interviews with you. But during all those years, how was it for you?
1: Well, I, I think we have to separate. Usually the fans, uh, they really see that way. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, the only football that exists is the, the football that plays in Camp nou, Bernabeu, Real Madrid, and Manchester City, Liverpool. That's the only football that exists. But I like to think that, that's, of course, that's football, but it's not the most real football. It's football all around the world, and it's more football in this level than in this one. In this one, there's only a few players who can play there, you know, PSG, Milan, Juventus. There is no many players in there compared to how many players play in the whole world. When I moved to Thailand, now talking about players, when I moved, it was a moment that Spain thinks that we were the best. We just won the World Cup, the Europe Cup. So all the Spanish players were good. Everyone, not just Real Madrid. Everyone were good. So why why to go to Thailand? You know, why to move to, I don't know, South America? Why to move to MLS? Why... No, why, why you leave Spain? We are in the best league, in the best place to be. And uh, some called me crazy or they thought the football would be over. And now there is migration of Spanish people everywhere, players, coaches. I think everybody realized that there is more football than Liverpool and Man City and PSG and Real Madrid. You can get the good life. You can give the good life to your family. You can enjoy you can do what you love. You can travel around the world. You can meet new people. I think the, the mind of uh, football people, players, and the, and the coaching staff open like right away. But the mind of fans, I think, is still more close when it comes to that. Because it's, at the end, it's what they watch on, on TV. What they watch. They watch Juventus. They watch Man City. And they watch Liverpool. That's it. So they don't really know much. I don't blame them. I don't criticise them. It's just the lack of knowledge that there is football more than there. Now, with uh, all these years, I I get to meet people like you guys, like uh, people who follow more football than that, you know. And, of course, I I really enjoy watching Liverpool-Barcelona game, of course. But it's, it's unbelievable how every time more and more people let's say, freaks of football, who can follow Korea, who can follow Thailand, China, who can follow, I don't know, Africa football. Who knows? There is football everywhere. Why why not to follow it? You must be delighted as well,
0: honestly, that you now have a chance. Pretty much you are the biggest league in the world right now. And there's a lot of attention in Europe. You're now live in 35 countries outside of Korea, a couple of European channels have showed it. The season opener was on the BBC on Friday, which I guarantee you that has never happened before. I mean, the attention must be great. You must be loving this. Worldwide attention
1: on you. Uh, Yeah, on the one hand, I love it. On the other hand, I'm a little bit afraid that people want or expect to see the level of Premier League, you know, and we have to be honest. I told my friends the other day, guys. I, I send you this link to watch my game. I play in white, but there is no Modric, there is no Benzema here, there is no Marcelo. So, <laughs> we, we, you have to know what you're watching. Of course, uh, it's not the same level. You cannot compare. It, you know, and, and I could see some comments. Oh, this game was not so good. Blah blah blah. But what I can do? uh i will i will do my job anyway i will enjoy it i love that we bring all our all this atta- attention to us i think this would be this will be really positive for the league uh this can bring more fans as i said before hopefully it will all work good for the federation for local teams for football players for the correct football community we can help to make a bigger impact or bigger league here
0: Osmar of FC Seoul thank you very much playing next Sunday against Gwangju who also lost in the opening weekend and actually before we look at what's been happening in the various leagues that have played last weekend Dimitro how about that for access I think in total we've been talking to him for almost two hours you don't get many leagues that allow that access big leagues certainly not
2: (laughs) that was brilliant Honestly, it was brilliant because, first of all, uh, over the years, that's what we, on our scale, we're trying to do, telling people that there is football everywhere. And it's a good football as well, that there is football beyond so-called big clubs. And to hear that from professional player is also very important. I just hope that he will give more interviews in Spain that people will notice uh, how good he speaks and how he thinks. And I also hope that perception will change a bit, not only in Spain, but everywhere. If someone goes to play, for example, in Thailand and then in Korea Republic, he doesn't become a worse player immediately. No, it's maybe quite the contrary sometimes.
0: Yeah, because... Heading towards kickoff time, I know they had ten overseas deals. It's now thirty-five, which is astonishing for the K League. A lot of those presumably would only have been for the opening match of the season, but it was a good taster. Some broadcasters probably will pick it up.
2: Why not? It's interesting league, right? Of course, especially when there is nothing else on. Yeah, Bundesliga will be back and more attention will be uh, paid to that particular competition but uh, there is something to see in almost every league in the world if you know where to look
0: so you watched i think it was five out of the six games in the k-league over the weekend plus one of the prestige games a particular game in the Faroe islands over the weekend so what do you have to report for us
2: well, yeah, it's uh, five out of six so far in K-League because I'm still chasing the sixth game, the last game of the round, I think, uh, with Pohan But overall, you could see that it was the first game of the season for so many sides, and Osmar was saying that that they were thinking maybe too defensively, his team in particular. And you can say that about some other sides as well. Like Inchhorn uh, played Tego, and it was a 0-0 draw and they went too many shots in the first half. They were trying to keep the ball, trying to move it around, but couldn't get into the box uh, that much. I'd say that of all the teams that I've seen, of course, Ulsan, it's, it's it's easy to say that because they won 4-0 and they're title favourites. They made an impression. But I would also uh, would like to say that their opponents, the army team, Sangju uh played really well, well, probably not the word for a team that lost 4-0. But again, considering that they were playing against the big side, one of the biggest on the continent, they were putting them under pressure from the first minute. They were trying to attack. Yes, they didn't get any goals, but it was still very interesting game and dynamic, probably the most dynamic game of the round, just like uh, the Kanban Seul that we already mentioned to talking to Osmar.
0: So John Motors, the champions, beat Suwon Blue Wings by a goal to nil on Friday, which we've already discussed in the previous programme. Ulsan, last season's runners-up, beat Sangju Sangmu 4-0. Third places from last season, FC Seoul. We know about them. They lost 3-1 at Gangwon. And the fourth places from last season, Poang Steelers, beat Busan IPark by two goals to nil. Incheon United and Daegu, the only game we haven't touched on so far, that was nil nil. Here's a question that no one's been asked before. Could you compare the K-League quality of football to the Faroe Islands League that you've also been watching this weekend?
2: No, I don't think we have to compare because apparently we're talking about one of the best leagues in Asia and a very small league in Europe but the game K-I uh, B-36 was also important because those two were fighting for the title until the end of the previous season. And they are playing each other in the very first game of a new season. And the title holders got bitten by 2-0. team, uh, uh, KI, they lost to 0 again in a very tight game with not too many openings in the first half. Both teams had their chances, but eventually, well, B36 uh, went in front. And in injury time in the second half, they were counter-attacking and goalkeeper had to go out of his uh, box. He collided with his own defender. So it was an easy goal into empty net from 20 metres.
0: Yeah, TV2 in Norway were showing the main three games live on Saturday because they've been starved of live football for so long. No idea about viewing figures, but I'm sure people are delighted, A, to get football back, and B, if you're in the Faroe Islands a little bit of added attention that you never get
2: no that's true and also we, we mentioned it briefly when we uh, spoke together it has become more professionalized over the years it's not just fishermen playing football of course they can't have their jobs but there are some younger players who are coming through in both sides particularly and you can keep an eye on them because especially as a football journalist, a commentator, you never know what you made up commentating on. If you're doing the Fair Islands and then in the next year or two you can say, oh, yeah, I remember this guy playing in this game because it happened to me when Aaron Moy made his debut for Australia. I think it was against England at Wembley. And when he comes on, you know, I didn't need Wikipedia. I didn't need any other source of information because I had watched him in a league in Australia. So that's the kind of experience you need and that's something that you get all the time. Uh, that's what you need for your work as well, not as a football fan only.
0: Actually, I have a little bit of experience of Pharaohs football because myself and Michael Stewart were working on Herbernian's game away at NSI a couple of summers ago in the Europa League qualifiers. And NSI actually went 2-0 up inside five minutes. Hibs equalised to make it 2-2. It was 3-3 at half time. Hibbs ended up winning 6-4, but early in the second half, the mist started rolling in gradually at first up to a point where, you know, 5-10 minutes into the second half, you've no idea where the ball is. You don't know who's on the ball. You can't see anything. You can't see the end of your nose. That was quite memorable having to do about 10 minutes of football where, well, there is football happening. We just can't tell you anything about it. I think there was a goal scored during that time as well, which was fantastic.
2: Yeah, I had a similar experience when Ireland played Bosnia and Herzegovina in the European Championship qualifying playoffs. But I think it's a situation for a commentator when you're not actually in a worse position because no one else can see it.
0: One man with perfect focus is Geza Turi. He's just retired from playing at the age of 46. And after winning the league back home in Hungary with Zala Egezek and playing against Manchester United in the Champions League, he's for the past 14 years called the Faroe Islands home. Having been goalkeeper with KI of Klaxvik, he's now their goalkeeping coach.
3: Yeah, after my professional career, I just want to try something, something new, and we just ended here with my family.
0: Because you'd had quite a successful career back in hungary you played for eh uh, and quite a few european campaigns as well against some significant clubs
3: yes it's true yes we won the hungarian championship and we we went to the uh, champions league qualification yes we played 2002 against manchester united
0: you won the first leg as well didn't you in hungary
3: yes we won 1-0 in the last minute or even it was an overtime we scored, uh, then we won 1-0, but the second game we lost.
0: That first game that you won, what uh, memories do you have from beating Manchester United in the Champions League and causing a bit of an upset?
3: It was fantastic feeling. Uh, I think uh, we played in Budapest because the, our uh, stadium was not uh, big enough or uh, they not accept to play there, so we just played in the national stadium. I remember after the game, uh, people was dancing uh, on the street and uh, yeah it was a it, it was a great great feeling and it's still a, a great memory for me
2: we, we, we have to tell bill because probably people just don't really understand it in those days first of all it's yeah Man united managed by sarax ferguson they were playing those qualifying games because Arsenal won the title, because yes, boys and girls, Arsenal used to win titles in the yeah. Premier League. So that's why they had to play Zaleh because they were not the champions of England, and they lost the first game 1-0. And I just remember, when I heard about that result, it was like, really? <laughs> Can it actually happen?
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's also a good question. I heard so many stories about uh, they complaining uh, everything when they played in Hungary, but yeah, you know, uh, game is game. We just won 1-0 uh, and the story is finished. It would have been great
0: to repeat it in the second leg at Old Trafford. But, I mean, just even looking at the goal scorers, Ruud van Nistelrooy got two, David Beckham with a free kick, Paul Scholes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I mean, that's it's a superstar team. and but And yet you'd managed to beat them in the previous game.
3: Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We were maybe lucky if they were a little bit uh, unaccepted. Our team and yeah, we just fight and and yeah, we just we just win.
0: Beckham's free kick was it a good one? I'm I'm trying to remember the game.
3: Yeah, it's up in the uh, up in the corner, so there was no chance to save it.
0: Like you had come on at Old Trafford, hadn't you? Because Sasha Illich was sent off. That feeling when you're running on. At Old Trafford and it's full. Like, what is that feeling like?
3: It was a great, great feeling, actually. <laughs> I was not except to, to, I was not think about to go on the field in that night. So, but I was lucky, I should say, because I could, I could do it. I was on the field.
0: Right. So, so here you are, you're in Old Trafford. It's your, it's your first moment on the pitch and you're facing up against Ruud van um, did, did Did you come close?
3: Actually, I find the, the way uh, close. Yeah, it was a hard shot. Yeah, I should. I don't know. <laughs> it was a. It was a good penalty.
0: Like the Faroe Islands, uh, for frankly, for anybody except if you're, I don't know, from Iceland, it, it seems a really unusual move. How how did the offer come
3: about? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. I tried so many other uh, countries, but. Uh, and that time, 2006, uh, it was a little bit difficult to find uh, a good club who is, who is paying. And uh, yeah, I should uh, think about the family also. And I was that time 33. So I was uh, think about in the future, what shall I do after my career? And uh, that was one of the solutions. But I got it and I just take it. Had you
0: ever even been in the Faroe Islands before you moved?
3: No, I, 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 when when they called me first time, I was look at the maps. Where is this uh, small island, small country? So I didn't know where where is uh, they are. As
0: soon as you went to the Faroe Islands, there was a change in the club that you went to within a, a year. I think they joined up with a different club.
3: Actually, two club. It was uh, the same community. They just come together and they just make one uh, sport club. They called uh, from. 2008, uh, they called this uh, new club Wuchingur. Actually, I am started with Kiwi, uh, but it's the same uh, uh, club after uh, this uh, come together.
0: A lot of the stadiums of the Faroe Islands are very very picturesque. They're quite beautiful, and just looking at the Víkingur stadium again, you're you're under the mountains there.
3: Yes, all the village has a has a uh, quite a small stadium. But uh, everybody has almost uh, brand new. The last three, four years, they built o- almost everywhere new stadium and new football field.
0: Like it wasn't the end of your sort of major opposition in European games, because you ended up playing against, against some very big name sides. I think Besiktas.
3: It was one of the first with uh, g- uh, Vucingur. We played uh, 2009, if I remember right, or 10 in, in Turkey. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Were you hoping all the time that you might just get a team from Hungary that you would get to welcome them in the Faroe Islands?
3: Yes, I hope uh, every year we can get some Hungarian team, but uh, suddenly they, they not uh, we cannot play to, uh, together until now, but uh, maybe this year with KoI, with the Champions League qualification.
0: At the start of last season, so the summer of 2018, there was a long trip to the other end of Europe to Georgia. To play torpedo Katesi.
3: Yes, uh, uh, we stopped in in uh, Denmark. I don't remember now. We we had so many trips, but yeah, I'm I'm guess we should stop uh, at least two or three times uh, during the trip. So, yeah, it was a long day. I remember it was almost a whole day to travel there.
0: And you've ended up playing sort of well over 300 games in all competitions in the Faroe Islands. What was it that, that kept you going, that kept you playing?
3: Win as, as much game as, we, as I can. Kesar, when you joined
2: your club in 2006, and when you look at the level of football at Faroe Islands now, in those 14 years, what changes do you see? Because, you know, in the past, people when they're talking about Faroe Islands national team, they were talking about fishermen, they were talking about electricians, But now there are a lot of good professional footballers who are playing in Denmark or even back in Faroe Islands, but they are much better as professionals.
3: Yes, uh, I can see it. uh, it, It's a big difference now when I came and and now it's much much more uh, professional. Uh, All the clubs, uh, around the clubs, the facility and the management also. We are not full professional, but uh, we try to be as much as we can to be professional.
2: Yeah, so as I understand, that they're still part-time footballers. They still have some jobs. But yes. if you move abroad, for
3: example, it's just for football then. Uh, yes, uh, almost every, everybody uh, have a part-time job. But it's not uh, have to. You just, if you want, you can, you can do it. It's also because we have training session almost uh, just in, in afternoon. Uh, for example my club where i am we have uh, in the morning session per day and uh, those guys who are not working uh, who, or who has uh, time they can enjoy that training session yeah we, we try our best so so it's daily training
2: session regime it's pretty good yeah right? so it's proper professional and in terms of the national league as well of course yeah there are better plays but in the league well, there, there are some wins of course on the european scene and uh, clubs from ferl did beat some other teams. Like for example, like Linfield from Northern Ireland lost to one of the clubs from there. But also, did you notice that the league became harder to win, tougher competition in in, in the national league?
3: Yes, I think uh, especially in the last two three years, three maybe four teams getting uh, stronger and and uh, stronger because the the money is uh, coming. For those clubs, the most money, and they can buy the the better players, also the foreigners. And uh, those uh, teams are getting close to the professional style for the football. And uh, I think that's why uh, the the football is getting a higher level in in Ferrer.
2: But that's interesting. You mentioned money. Of course, every club in every country needs money. Where does that come from at Faroe Islands?
3: Who is the sponsor, let's say, of your club or some other clubs uh, on the islands? The community around the, the city. That's the biggest uh, income. Also, the uh, sponsors is coming. Uh, FSF, the, the, the National Football uh, Federation, uh, paid the, the money, the most money.
2: And let's say if uh, a child, I don't know, six, seven year old, wants to play football, is there everything there for free or they have to pay a certain fee to join the club? How, how does that work? How do they start playing football?
3: No, it's free, uh, especially in that uh, small age. They can, uh, if I remember, they have maybe one or two uh, training sessions in a special uh, small football field, they have their own coach. think they have to pay anything no i i think that is uh, free for them and the the coaches
2: the qualified coaches are also very important so uh, i assume you probably have seen a lot of local players and you probably becoming a goalkeeping goalkeeping coach you you had to get the licenses and all that so it is also there under the uefa licenses i understand yes yes
3: yes, yes. we have the same system as all over europe the Mm uefa license so we just, uh, we we learn exactly the same as uh, any other country.
2: And so I understand, when you play the league, you start a bit earlier probably than May, but there is just the summer and a few more months into it. How, how, how does the climate influence that? How, how does that make a footballer feel
3: when you play there, even for so many years? I think uh, I actually i am used to it now. It's it's quite good uh, during the, the year, the weather in It's Maybe in winter time it's a little bit more windy, but uh, during the year it's quite good. I think uh, we can enjoy the football almost every weekend, uh, just like uh, any other uh, country. Yeah, because I understand
2: in Hungary it was probably difficult. It was really cold in the winter. Yeah, in, in the summer. In, yes. in royal i or something in between.
3: Yeah, it, we don't have really cold uh, Winter, like in Hungary, and not uh, so hot like in Hungary, also. So, we're just in the middle somewhere mm-hmm. we can play all the time. Uh, when you won the title with Zala Egersek, yeah, your top goal
2: scorer was Christian Kenichi. He's 43, he's still playing. This no, no,
3: is... it's he just start, uh, stopped to play. I just yeah. read the, a month ago, he stopped to play now, so he's also quit with every football.
2: Yeah, because, because I saw that he was probably some, with a club in the third division in Hungary, still scoring goals or something like that. So yeah. it's just amazing that you were on the same team and you you played until you were almost 46. He's 43. What, what was that? What was, what did they give you at like
3: No, I don't know. <laughs> we just love football, I guess.
2: Because that was like a special team because you were fighting with Ferencvaros and MTK yeah. almost until the end, and you drew with Varus in the 37th round, and MTK lost to Dunafer, I think, 5-1, yeah. and that's how you won the title. And after that, Zalegersak never even came close to, 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 to being the title contender. So what was special about that team in that particular 2001-2002 season?
3: Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a great team. I, I don't know. It was everything, everything perfect. I don't know. It was it was just uh, just a great uh, year for us, I guess.
0: And in terms of your current club, uh, you are the reigning champions in Klax VK for the first time in 20 years. So what was so different about last season that you were able to finish
3: on top? We had a very good team, it's extremely good coach, professional coach. Uh, I think we, uh, it was a very hard competition, uh, as you know, or you can see it. Uh, we won the last game and we came to the champion uh, because uh, the same points between us and the second uh, place. I, I think we just deserved more. We were fighting more during the year than than any other club, and we just became in the champion.
0: And how difficult is it to get through the season because so many different clubs are on different islands?
3: Actually, it's not really true. It's it's only one club who is in the na- other island where we have to sailing for one and a half, two hours. But all the others we can drive with buses, it's, it's it's only 50 minutes, one hour. So it's not far away, each other, the clubs.
0: You won the Super Cup back in March and then you're obviously getting ready for the league season and then everything stops. Havnar, Boltflag, yeah. five on penalties.
3: Yes, yes. This is our... Uh, yeah, The second biggest uh, enemies, <laughs> if I can say that. No, they are also a, a strong team. They won so many times the championship, so I think we will fight uh, for the championship again against them this year also.
2: Well, when you say biggest enemy, we can understand that it's not like <laughs> Ferenc Varos v Convet, for example, or Uypest in Hungary. How do people feel that? How do they leave those? Are there actually any Serious rival race in Ferraris football,
3: so they um, hate each other. No, it's it's not uh, not like that. Uh, they not hate each other. It's just a competition. Uh, actually, it's everybody knows each other. It's not uh, so many people, so they just su- somebody support one team, somebody support the other team. But they are, they can be a good friend. So it's not really. Uh, that big fight like uh, ferenc or, or or in Budapest. Otherwise, I think it's it's even better because we know it will be no fight on the street, but uh, they will support us and they will support the other team. So normally it's is a good uh, feeling.
0: Uh, and I see behind you, um, like you've got the mountains, it's still bright. It, do you have the 24 hours of daylight that so many Nordic areas, Iceland does?
3: Yes, in, on summertime we have, yes, yes, yes. Just like now, it will be uh, on the night, uh, this, this kind of sunshine. Wow, even in May. Big deal this season is
0: that all of your games are going to be on one of the main channels in Norway as well as in the Faroe Islands. So has that generated a bit of extra excitement this season?
3: Yes, yes, everybody very excited. Uh, the TV was uh, on the, today, the Norwegian TV was on uh, our training session today so they record some some films so probably they will show before the game tomorrow and
0: you have a good prospect of the championship again this season
3: uh, yes I hope we can we can be on the top three again and maybe number one maybe number two you never know. So two
0: very different football stories for you today really hope you enjoyed it if you've come this far you probably have until next time enjoy your football.